Welcome to Tackling the NFL, the only NFL podcast where asking us which colleges we got into is a HIPAA violation. <laughs> I'm Josh Rosenberg, that's Adam Baltax, and we have what I have to say is possibly my favorite episode that we do, or I guess that we've done in our now slightly over two years of existence, the 2021 Bold Predictions Game. I want to say at the top of the show, this episode was inspired by the Shutdown Fullcast 2020 Bold Predictions game, or maybe 2019, actually. Um, fantastic idea, and we had so much fun with it last year that we are bringing it back. So, Adam, can you give uh, all the listeners a refresher if they don't remember what this was? Yeah, so I also try and forget about it because of my eventual <laughs> loss in, in the predictions game. But... Uh, we have different point values for different levels of heat in terms of how hot the takes are for the season, how bold the takes are, uh, starting with some pretty basic ones, some things that we could easily, uh, relatively easily see happen, and ending with some things that are, aren't going to happen, but we're saying them just in case they do. And we are taking turns choosing two from each category. Um, there are six total. And... Then at the end, we'll go back and we'll choose one wild card from any of the selections out of the two remaining in each group. So we'll have at the end, uh, I believe we'll have 11 total bold takes. And then we will determine at the end of the season how many points we get from those takes and see who's the I don't, bigger football fan. I, I, let's go with smarter football fan because last year, as you alluded to, uh, I had ended up with 25 points. Adam ended up with five. Uh, a lot, a lot of those points came with a 13-pointer uh, coming true, which was a player uh, intercepts 10 passes, and Xavier Howard of my Miami Dolphins pulled through for me. In the end, seven of our uh, possible predictions ended up being right, and we picked six of them. So yeah. we're going back at it again. And as a gracious winner, Adam, I'm going to let you choose. Do you want to start on the one-point category, knowing that I'll get to go first on the four-point category? Um. You know what? You can start on the one-point category. Okay, so for this category, my first pick is going to be that a rookie running back breaks 1,000 rushing yards. Last season, James Robinson of the Jaguars passed that. The year before that, Josh Jacobs broke that mark. And this year, I see two rookies who are extremely likely to break it, in my opinion. First off is just Najee Harris, who's going to get a million carries. I don't think he's going to be very efficient just because of concerns about that offensive line and the game plan and what the running game will look like in Pittsburgh. But I think he's going to get a lot of, a lot of chances. And secondly, the Broncos already seem to be saying that Javante Williams is going to be the immediate starter. I don't know how much Melvin Gordon will cut into his carries, but I do think he has a chance to break that thousand yard plateau. So pretty happy with that first pick and I'm throwing it to you. Yeah. In retrospect, uh, I should have made that mark a little bit higher, especially with an extra game added onto the season. Uh, I think a thousand yards is much more manageable with a whole nother, uh, a whole nother four quarters of play, especially with guys like Javante who are, are likely to be playing for a possibly important game at the end of the season. Uh, I guess I shouldn't have said Javante is more likely to be Najee Harris out of those two teams, but, but either way, what you just said was really important because this affects a lot, a lot of these predictions where we won't necessarily see all these records fall this year, although they might. There's a lot of like single season records that are likely to fall because of the extra game. So like receiving yards, stuff like that, where it's just a cumulative stat. 
those records just give players one more game to reach that mark. And so that makes it just that much more likely to pick. So Adam, what are you taking uh, from the one point category? For the, my next pick for the one point category is going to be that the, hmm. so I'm, I'm stuck between two here, but I don't know which one you're going to go with next. So I'm going to go with Mac Jones starts less than nine games. I see this as a very possible thing, uh, especially in the, in the Patriots offense. I could see Bill Belichick getting very sick of Mac Jones a couple games into his starting whenever he decides he wants to start. And Cam Newton, we've talked about in the past, is a viable start. He's a good quarterback when he's healthy. He's been unhealthy uh, on and off for the past couple of years. And I think with an actual offense around him, he'll, he'll be good enough to start uh, enough games to where Max can't, can't play nine. So this is interesting because you thought about this a little bit differently than I did. I was really just thinking, because I assume that Cam Newton will be the starter from week one. I would be stunned if Max Jones starts the season unless Newton gets hurt. If he's successful, I don't think that Bill Belichick will change things up just to get a rookie reps. That's just not his mojo. That's not his MO. And I would be pretty surprised if he did that. The idea of pulling Jones if he isn't good after a few weeks is also a possibility and just makes it even harder for him to reach that mark. And also, I just think that Cam Newton is pretty much better at almost every part of being a quarterback than Mac Jones is right now. And the Patriots have invested enough in this free agency to make me think that they want to win now. So I don't expect to see him on the field. It sounds like you're forgetting about Mac Jones' sub-5 40s too. <laughs> I, I'm just going to make my next pick. <laughs> I do like that one for you. That wasn't what I was going to take. I think I'm going to take... Wow, this one's hard. This is hard, actually. Because there's a few that I really like, and I don't know. All right, I'm going to take the Steelers don't have a winning record. Now, this is just betting against so many years of history, because as... Everyone who's listened to this podcast and most football media knows Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record. And this year, I think it's all coming down. Also, I, it isn't possible to have um, a 500 record, which I guess makes this a little bit easier for me. And with Ben Roethlisberger's arm in basically tatters and a weak offensive line, and I would still say a pretty good defense, but maybe probably not quite as dominant as it was last year because defenses uh, tend to fluctuate a little bit. I guess I'm betting on Mike Tomlin to lose nine games. Wow. That's, that's a bold take. Yeah. Especially for a one-pointer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought about a lot of these. I'm curious to see which one you go with next. Uh, so this, so this, is, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm definitely not taking this one. I don't know if you can see which one I'm highlighting in the document. I can. Uh, yes. We'll, we'll, we'll go over that at the end. Uh, okay. But I, I'm, I think I'm going to choose the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl just because there's a very good chance that this happens. The Kansas City Chiefs are unbelievably good, and they have the best quarterback of all time, and they only got better this offseason with an actual offensive line. If everyone stays healthy, it's obviously it's a tough thing to bet on someone winning the Super Bowl, but I've never been more confident heading into a season about any team than this season. Wow. Okay. See, they're the odds-on favorites, so I can't really quibble with that. Although I guess Tampa Bay is definitely up there in the odds. I don't know what they are exactly. But I would still take the field, and I'm actually a little surprised because we have two more options that we're just going to discuss now, um, even though neither of us are picking them yet. I'm a little surprised you didn't take this one because it says Kyle Pitts sets the rookie tight end receiving yards record, which is 1,076 yards set by Mike Ditka in 1961. It's crazy how long that record st has stood. and 
also really shows how hard it's been for rookie tight ends to produce in the league. But I think that with Julio Jones gone and a team that's going to need to throw a ton to keep up, I could see this one happening. So why didn't you go for that one? Just out of curiosity. See, the one thing that was making me want to go for this was the extra game added on. But when I look back at like how Matt Ryan has dealt with tight ends in his career, Tony Gonzalez, he really needs to gain that connection with them before he starts throwing them the ball a lot. Tony Gonzalez's first season in Atlanta, if you probably don't remember, was not very good. Uh, he like he he came over from Kansas City. Everyone was kind of saying, "Oh, he's having this drop off." Um, he, maybe he won't be the same Tony Gonzalez that he used to be. But then the next season, he came out and had uh, like thirteen hundred yards. So I think that it'll take a, a one year for Kyle Pitts to kind of get acclimated to the to the system. Obviously, new offensive coordinator and new entirely new um, setup. But I would I would I would say that Kyle Pitts has an insane second season, but I don't think his first season he'll have over a thousand yards. Because not even there's not one Atlanta receiver that got a thousand yards last season. Oh, uh, Calvin Ridley did. Sorry, there isn't uh sorry, Julio Jones, who was the second receiver last season, and Russell Gage were pretty solid, but they weren't a thousand yard receivers even when they were healthy. Yeah. I mean, Julio only played like seven games and got to 700 yards in that time, but I see where yeah. you're coming from. It's a little bit of a different situation. Now, the final option in this category, final prediction, is one that you didn't <laughs> want to take. <laughs> Why? I actually considered this one. I'm just, <laughs> this, I'm just not this, betting on that. <laughs> this one's one that I wrote, so I guess I'll explain it. This prediction is a player retires, they don't want to get vaccinated. And <laughs> the reason I put this is because with just like the NFL collectively showing its ass these past couple of days. I know you're not on Twitter, but I don't know if you saw the Buffalo Bills Twitter account, like the football team's Twitter account, basically just posting a two minute long video of Cole Beasley spouting anti-vax propaganda. It's ugly. It's really ugly. And I don't expect for a superstar to retire, but I do think someone on the back of the roster who's probably likely to get cut because they're not getting the vaccine is a serious disadvantage for the record. For those players on the back of the roster, they're less likely to be kept if they don't get vaccinated. So, you know, go get your shots, guys, please. Natural um, selection. Essentially, yeah, right? Well, anyways, I could totally see one of those guys just being like, I'm done, I'm out, I retire. So I yeah. might come back to that one. We'll see. <laughs> Honestly, you're going to, I didn't pick that one because I don't want to have to keep up with all those backdoor players. That's that, true. Cause then you're going to have to see what, like first you're going to have to see if they, uh, if that was the reason why they were, they decided not to come back. If that's the reason they admitted to them not wanting to come back for this one to hit because I might come back to this one later. I don't know. Or just to keep track, they have to say they retired because they didn't want to get vaccinated. They have to say that yeah. publicly. Yeah. So let's move it, though, into the four-point category where you have the first pick. Let's see it. So so there's a this one, there's a actually kind of a big drop-off on this one in terms of, like, likely ability. Uh, and sorry, in, in terms of likelihood. Um, yeah, that was, that was bad. Um, but I, I'm going to go with um, all California teams make the playoffs for my first pick. Okay, that's a good pick, but you left the one that I really wanted. So, all right, let's okay. see. It. Why? I do think a head coach being fired before their bye week is also a good one, but I might come back to that second if you don't take it. But the LA Chargers, LA Rams, and San Francisco 49ers are all solid teams. And I think that Chargers are going to be much improved this year with a full year of Herbert, with Derwin James back. We've t- I've, I've raved about the, Char- the Chargers enough this offseason. But if, if the 49ers have a successful, um, run with either Jimmy Garoppolo or um, 
help me out here. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Sorry. I'm on my, my mind was blanking. Then they could easily top a pretty bad NFC. And the Rams, too. It's a bad NFC. We've talked about how improved they are this offseason. I think there's a good chance that all three of these teams make the playoffs. It's just hard to, to say when there's so few playoff, playoff teams and so many good teams in the AFC that the Chargers make it. I might be a little too high on the 49ers, but I would say that the 49ers and the Rams are locks, barring injury. I mean, the 49ers obviously got decimated by injuries last year, and that's been a recurring concern for them. That might be something with their medical staff. They also just have notoriously one of the worst fields in the league, which leads to injuries. I'd say they're locks. The Chargers, I would put at around 40%. So this is definitely one of my top two picks in the category. Yeah. There's just no depth there. That, that's why I was nervous. But yeah. the one that you talked about is definitely what I'm taking, which is a head coach is fired before their bye week. That's the one I wanted to still around. Because last year, there were two coaches who were fired before their bye. Uh, that is Dan Quinn uh, of your Falcons and Bill O'Brien, who honestly, I forgot he was fired last year. Like I thought that was like two years ago. At this point. <laughs> I think that actually that episode that we recorded about Bill O'Brien getting fired got deleted because the audio file got corrupted. So that one never got published. That's the only one that that's happened to. Yeah. And, and, and to sum it up, we don't like Bill O'Brien very much. Yeah. Actually, you you were a little higher on him than I was. Yeah, you're right. No, I was. I was defending his play calling. But this year, the coaches on the hot seat are, I, I compiled a short list of the guys, I, I guess sort of by likelihood, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't hit his bye week until week 12. So if that goes wrong, he could very, very easily be out of there by then. Then, like, I think the most anonymous coach in the NFL, legitimately the most anonymous coach, and I actually forgot about him until I went team by team, is Zach Taylor of the Bengals, who is still around in his third season, hasn't really shown any aptitude for coaching. He has his buy in week 10. Matt Nagy has his buy in week 10. I don't think they'll fire him midseason because they probably won't want to mess with Justin Fields' development. And then I have two sneaky options on the back end, which is Vic Fangio who has a week 11 bye, who I just think if the Broncos start out poorly and the offense isn't going, maybe the, I think the defense will probably be solid, but they start like, I don't know, 0-4. He might just be out of there. He's been there for a couple of years. And then finally, this one's a little hot. Mike McCarthy, Dallas Cowboys head coach, going into only his second season. We know how impatient Jerry Jones is. Is he impatient enough to fire his head coach before week seven? Yeah, I, that, that would be surprising because it's, a, it's his first season with a full, healthy Dak Prescott, and they're in a pretty bad division where it's pretty easy to win. So I'd be surprised if Mike, Mike McCarthy was gone before Thanksgiving, but who knows? It's, it's, it's Jerry Jones. Yeah, no, I think you're right, but these are bold predictions. So what's your next yeah. one? It, it really gets thin here. So I'm just going to go with Tampa Bay and Buffalo. Both don't finish at the top of their division. Um, solely because I think the other three are just worse than, than this one. I think that anything can happen in football and Tampa Bay could fall off a cliff with Tom Brady somehow not being the same Tom Brady as he was last year, which we've talked about how unlikely that is, but anything can happen. Buffalo is the much tougher one to bet against, but I'm just, I don't see any way that any of the other three happened. And betting on this one, I think, is a lot more random than any betting on any of the others. Here's the thing. You wrote this one, and I almost crossed it off immediately because if this was an either-or question, then I would take it for sure. There's a lot of randomness in the NFL. But for them both to not finish at the top of their divisions, 
that would stun me. And for me, it's actually the opposite because here's the thing for Tampa Bay to be bad this year and lose the division. The only way that happens is if Tom Brady gets hurt or maybe their offensive line gets crushed by injuries, which affects Brady's performance. You know, the Falcons go undefeated, but (laughs) of course, got to keep that in mind. Even then though, the saints aren't that close to them in terms of talent level and just general roster depth. So they might just win the division anyways, even if they get hit by one of those occurrences. So I have very little faith in any team other than the Buccaneers winning their division. So that's why I wasn't a huge fan of this one. But you you are right. The other options are rough. I think this is tough, but I think I'm going to go with someone other than Daryl Henderson leads the Rams in rushing yards. Oh, that one's so gross. This one's gross, and this is not about any of the other Rams on the depth chart, which I'm going to pull up now because, honestly, I have no idea who is Zay- behind him at Xavier this point. Xavier Jones, I think. I think he was one of their rookie picks, yeah. But the thing is, and we haven't actually talked about the Cam Akers injury, which is just devastating, especially for a bunch of my fantasy teams. But it really, for the Rams, <laughs> most, import- most importantly for your fantasy <laughs> <laughs> got to hit the most, got to hit our priorities. But no, so that really is devastating for the Rams because he looked so good over the second half of last season. Even when injured, he was playing on a high ankle sprain for a couple of weeks, and he actually looked really good. And it affects the way that their run game is going to work because he was better in that gas game that they were using last year than Daryl Henderson was. He's just a bigger, more physical runner inside the tackles. I think that they might have to adjust their offense a little bit. I don't really think that Xavier Jones or Raymond Calais or even Jake Funk is going to steal Daryl Henderson's job. I think that Daryl Henderson is a pretty slight running back who might get hurt. And so if they sign someone else and then Henderson gets hurt, that person might end up with more yards than him. Yeah. I guess you're betting on an injury here, which okay, you, know, you can do. Why you would want. you tell me that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see any other way that Darrell Henderson leads in, doesn't lead the Rams in rushing. Yeah, maybe, no, I th- I think maybe if John Wolford shows something in training camp and gets a starting job. <laughs> well, I just think that they might sign someone. I don't know. I don't know exactly which running backs are on the market, and I think that Darrell Henderson is better than anyone who's left. But you know, he might miss a few games. So yeah. That does it for this category, which was, it's already getting rough. So should we talk about the two we didn't pick? Oh yeah, you're right. Um, Can you explain to me a free agent signing wins one of the players of the year, which is either defensive player of the year or offensive player of the year? Yeah. So there was a lot of big signings this off season. Uh, We had Bud Dupree go to uh, Pittsburgh. No, we had Bud Dupree go from Pittsburgh to Tennessee we had JJ Watt signed to the Cardinals. Um, we had we had stuff on all on all, all over the field. We had Matthew Stafford go to the um, the Rams. Well, that was we a had, trade, so that would not be eligible. Okay, so that one doesn't count. We had a lot of big signings this offseason. and if somehow one of them hits, maybe they get MVP. It's it's a tough one. It's a tough one to 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 bet on. But there's a lot of. Uh, free agent signings this offseason and I was thinking more defensively um, if one of them shines on the defensive line if Trey Hendrickson has 16 sacks then who knows any anything can happen on the defensive side of the ball I don't think it's likely that a free agent signing wins offensive player of the year I think you're underestimating Joe Thune's impact you're right you're right <laughs> they, 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 they do love giving offensive player of the year to offensive line not even an offensive lineman, a guard who literally no one has anything all that special to say. Everyone, whenever they talk about Joe Thune, they just say, 
he's played a lot of games. He's very rarely hurt. The best yeah. ability is availability or whatever it is. So it would be the funniest. It would be the funniest outcome if he won. I, I think that would be fantastic. The last prediction in this category, which neither of us took, is a second-year QB wins MVP. And this one was tough because you just have to be betting on Justin Herbert here. And the reason I didn't want to take it, although I did consider it over the Henderson one, is because there's just so many great quarterbacks in the NFL right now that it's hard to predict a Herbert win. In the years when Lamar Jackson won, when Patrick Mahomes won, there weren't just as many good young quarterbacks in great situations. Right now, you just have Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in basically the perfect situation for them. Yeah, and, and Josh Allen. Tough. And Josh Allen, who hasn't won. Like, he might be, yeah. he might be like, even if he's not the favorite, definitely my dark horse. If yeah, and NFL would love, and NFL would love to have him as opposed to. Yeah, so here's my question, Adam. If it isn't Herbert, it's obviously either Joe Burrow or Tua Tungabailoa. Which of them do you think is more likely? I have my own answer, oh, but I'm just curious. For, for, for me, it's for sure Joe Burrow. Uh, That's what I just thought because, you'd say. Just because of it being a, the most valuable player award, in terms of being valuable to his team, if if either of those two are in contention, I think Joe Burrow would have had to have done more to get him there. Um in terms of carrying the Bengals on their back. If the Dolphins are in the situation where they have a player up for most valuable player, which means they had to have had a solid season because they don't, you don't get MVPs on a losing team. Um, it's not because, because of Tua. Uh, I think that it's much more likely that Joe Burrow wins if those two are both up for contention. So I'm going to preface this by saying this is not Dolphins homerism at all. I have been on the record repeatedly as saying that the Dolphins before the allegations should have traded for Deshaun Watson. They should have um, kept the third pick, drafted Justin Fields. I'm not necessarily a Tua fan, but I do think that Tua Tungavailoa is more likely. And this is just such a random scenario. But the reason is because I think what you said makes sense, but I don't see almost any scenario where no matter how good Joe Burrow is, the Bengals are good. So I just think that the Dolphins are more likely to be better than the Bengals. And if they take like a big leap and Tua is really good, like it would require him being really good, obviously. I'm not just going to give him MVP. I could see that happening. Like, even if Joe Burrow's fantastic and does a great job, makes all the right reads, no one's going to be watching the Bengals pretty much no matter what. Yeah. And now, while we're on the Dolphins, how do you feel about Xavier and Howard opting up for a trade? So, wow. There's a lot of ways to go with this because, well, first of all, I'm just going to say I'm fine with him moving on because um, his he has at least one prior incident of domestic violence and perfectly fine with him not being on my team. Secondly, I think that the only way this happens is if the Dolphins get just blown away with an offer because for a player who got a contract extension, I think last offseason, he's got like three or four years left on his contract. It would take so much to get him uh, traded. The Dolphins are saying they want a tonsil offer, essentially. And I don't think anyone's really going to give them that. But cornerbacks are desperately needed. And he is the best ball hawk in the NFL right now. I think pretty clearly. I mean, he hit 10 interceptions last season. I don't expect him to repeat that. So if the Dolphin traded him now, it's at the peak of his value. I'd be fine with that probably. But I'd be curious to see what they get. Because if, as a Dolphins fan, I would want a first-round pick plus, at the very least, a day-two pick. And I don't know who's going to give them that right now. Yeah, Isaiah Oliver, take it or leave it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that brings us straight to the seven-point category, though. Because... One of your predictions that you offered is a player gets 10 interceptions, and I'm not going to take it. I'm just throwing that out there. It is a nice transition, though. Instead, 
Wow. These are all, these are all tough. (laughs) I'm going to take. Wait, sorry. One, one second. Did I say a wide receiver wins offensive rookie of the year? Yeah, you did. Oh, wow. That's not going to happen. Okay. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was your prediction. That wasn't one, even one of mine. Uh, I mean, we're at seven (laughs) points. Probably none of these are going to happen. I'm going to go with, this one is literally only gut instinct, only gut instinct. Marcus Peters ends the season on a team other than the Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> this one's almost rude. I'm not going to lie. This one's almost rude. But the thing is, he spent three years in Kansas City to start his career. He spent one and a half years in with the Rams, and then he spent one and a half years with the Ravens so far. It's just happened on multiple occasions that he's worn out his welcome pretty quickly. And the Ravens have cut Earl Thomas in, I don't know if that was last year or the year before, but they're not afraid to move him if he's a distraction. So, I mean, literally only gut instinct, and you'll see why I chose this, because the other options are probably just worse. Maybe Marcus Peters is on the move if there's some strife in the Ravens clubhouse. Yeah, uh, that I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't bet on it. But, you know, when, when, you're, when you're down to these options, I, I don't blame you. What are you taking? Let's see it. Oh, I got I got to think about this for a second. You know what? I'm not too upset with this one actually. I'm gonna go with uh, an AFC South team makes it to the AFC conference, AFC championship game, uh, <laughs> solely because I am very high on the Colts. Uh, I think that the Colts wow. um, are much, are the most likely team to make it out of the out of the rest of these. Um, in terms of like upside, I, I don't think that the Titans have quite the upsides that the Colts have in terms of being able to make an AFC um, championship game because of how all around the, the Colts are. If they can play to the best of their abilities and once is a shadow of his 2017 self, then I think uh, the Colts could be one of the better teams in football. And it's either them or the Browns for me, uh, if, if they make it that far. And if they can fluke a win against the Browns, I'm taking I'm taking them to the AFC Championship because I I think the Bills will end up playing the the Chiefs. Okay, so this is fascinating to me because I, I think this is one that I wrote. But when I started thinking about this, first of all, this requires a ton of luck of the draw just for this to happen. Like you just need to have a great draw. Maybe someone gets hurt. Maybe you're just not playing a team that's all that good. But. I think that this actually just won't be the Colts if this happens. I really think that the only way that this happens is Julio Jones supercharging the Titans offense and carrying them to the conference championship game because the Colts were just so, so badly outclassed by the Bills last season. They were just clearly had so much less talent than the uh, Bills or at least the superstar talent necessary. And I don't think they've really added that this offseason, like unless you're much higher on Carson Wentz than I thought you were. That's why I think this is Titans or bust. Yeah, even though I'm pretty low on it. Yeah, I mean, hey, either way, I get seven points. So I'd be fine with that happening too. Okay, wow. I guess, man, this is tough. This is tough. <laughs> this is a really rough one. Um, I am going to take... See, I, first, I did all my research on every single one of these predictions, but forgot to rank them in order of which one I wanted them. So I'm doing this on the fly. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a player gets 10 interceptions. And the okay. you know, only in the, in the elongated season, I understand. That's the only reason I'm doing it, because it happened for Xavier Howard last season. But 
the t- last time it happened before that is Antonio Cromartie in 2007. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's unlikely. And I'm really only saying the extra game because JC Jackson actually spent, I think, a couple games at nine interceptions last season. And I really thought he was going to be the one to hit 10 interceptions for me, not Xavier Howard. Howard had two interceptions in the last game of the season. However, I will just note that we had JC Jackson at nine, Xavier Howard at 10. No other player had more than six interceptions. So it's going to take a massive fluke season for this to happen. Yeah. You know what? I, that would be my next pick, too, on this board, simply because of there being 17 games instead of 16. Yeah. But it is not going to happen. Most likely not going to happen. <laughs> hey, it's going to happen again for me. But, okay, what do you got for yours? Wow. Leaving me with a, with a bunch of options. Um, so I'm just going to talk through all three of these before I make my pick, just so we can take kill two birds with one stone. Sure. Okay. So we have two Rookie of the Year awards here, or we have two like of the year awards. We have the Offensive Rookie of the Year, and that's being won by a wide receiver. And we have the Defensive Player of the Year being won by a safety. I really um, hate you for that one, by the way. I, I did. <laughs> wait, no, you did both of those for the record. And the, de- the safety winning Defensive Player of the Year is just cruel. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, it's very unlikely to happen. Here's the thing. Here's why it's not going to happen. And I think about this. I feel like I overthink these a little bit because I'm just really thinking about how all of these awards are such narrative awards and not really who's the best player. There just aren't enough people who know about Justin Simmons or Jesse Bates or Buda Baker for them to win. And their teams probably won't be good enough for them to win it. The only way that I think this happens is if Mika Fitzpatrick has like seven interceptions and three of them are pick sixes. That's about it. Yeah. There's a reason in the past 10 years there has not been a safety win it. Um, I could have easily gone with linebacker too, uh, but because it's it's most likely good. I could have just said a safety Honestly, or I'd linebacker. Give, but I'd give Fred Warner my vote at least. Yeah, because um, Lou Keekley won as a linebacker in 2013. That was the last linebacker to win. And Troy Polamalu won as a safety in 2010. There's a common theme with these guys in they are megastars. Everyone knows these names. My one question this year would be, who is that megastar safety? It would have there to. Isn't. It would have to be Derwin James. That's what I, I was can't think too. of. I can't think of any other way that uh, maybe somehow Jesse Bates, if he gets enough, like no one knows. Who Jesse, no one other than you or if I. He, knows who if Jesse he, if he gets is. if he gets like eight interceptions or something, maybe people will like turn their heads. No but one's looking at the Bengals. Like I'm sorry, I think Jesse would, Bates. I think it would have to be Derwin James or. Yeah. Oh, insane, like an insane season out of Jamal Adams. So I don't, I don't see any other like yeah. knowledge, like a popular enough safety to win this, but Hey, um, so I'm not choosing that one. Uh, next is an NFC West team. You get the top five pick. I, there's no, there's no way there's too many bad teams in the NFL for any of those four teams to fall to bottom five. I'm and, just saying the Cardinals could blow up like really early on and tank yeah. after firing Cliff Kingsbury. That's the only way it happens, but that could happen. Oh, I 100% agree. And if that happens, I still don't think think they get a top five pick. There are so many wrong, bad teams yeah. in the NFL that even if a Cardinals blow up, I and they're in the NFC and they will win a couple of games. So I'm yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a wide receiver wins offensive rookie of the year. Uh, it's it, it just because I'm choosing the best out of the worst. Um, so if somehow Jamar Chase gets 1500 yards this season, or or if if something crazy happens, I've talked highly of Rashad Bateman, but <laughs> he's not getting enough targets. To win. <laughs> but rookie, uh, a rookie of the year award is much easier than a player of the year award. So I'm just going to go with that. One. I think that's a smart option or a smart choice. 
I will say, and I talked about this during the prop bets episode, I don't think that Jamar Chase is the most likely wide receiver to win or even Jalen Waddle. I actually think it's Devonta Smith because I think he's just likely to get so many more targets in that disgusting Eagles offense. I have one other player who I think there's just a super, super dark horse. Elijah Moore, slot receiver, New York Jets. And this is the exact same argument. He's just more likely to get a lot of targets because there's not many other established wide receivers on the Jets. And so if Corey Davis gets hurt and then Moore is is the slot receiver and Jameson Crowder is traded or his targets are taken, he could be the Jets' number one. That's only other possibility I see. And, and, and then it's not only getting the number one job, then he has to win rookie of the year, which is a whole other thing against a class of like 800 quarterbacks. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Wow. I, you know what? I'm moving this on to 10 points where it somehow gets more absurd. And are you I on the think, clock for this one? I think I go first here, right? You are on the clock. This is, it's tough. Because um, <laughs> there are not um, a lot of choices here. I'm going to go with the defensive lineman has a pick six. Uh, <sighs> I, wanted, I wanted that one. Because I, I can see this happening. It's once again, it's a whole uh, uh, lineman scores a touchdown scenario from last season. If no, this one's uh, the O lineman one was badly mis like graded because an yeah. offensive lineman touchdown happens at least two times a season. The last, well, let me think. What was the last defensive lineman pick six that you can think of? Because I, I'm we're gonna thinking think of Chris one. Jones. Oh no, I, I was thinking of Limbaugh Joseph. Okay, I, I didn't look it up to see when the last one was exactly. But I do like it's been a few years. It doesn't happen every year. I do think that's the best pick out of this bunch, though. Oh, for sure. There, all I I looked up defensive lineman pick six, and there was a compilation on YouTube of defensive <laughs> linemen. <pick laughs> I watched that too. Yep. So I'm gonna say that there is enough. Um, okay, yeah. The most recent one was Chris Jones off of Blake Bortles. <laughs> okay so unfortunately blake Bortles won't be throwing too many passes this season but that's that's what you think green bay <laughs> packers legend blake Bortles is coming back strong i think that this this is like a, a random enough thing that it could happen okay yeah it's the best out of this category because i am going to take a 2020 first round pick ends the season on a new team not counting Isaiah Wilson because he's already been on two different teams and is out of the league right now. This one's already insane. We're literally one year out and I have pinpointed two players who I think it could happen to. And they're on the same team. I think it's the Jaguars first round picks, uh, Clavon chase on and CJ Henderson, because first uh, of all, CJ Henderson or, Oh, from last year, from last season. Yes. Because these players weren't drafted by the current Urban Meyer, Trent Baalke regime. So they have no real connection to those guys. And they weren't really good last year either. So I could see Urban Meyer just giving up on Clavon Chase on and saying, ship him out. And so does this have, did it have to be traded during the season? Or if tomorrow Clavon Chase on gets traded, you get 10 points? So I made sure uh, uh, it could happen now. Like it could, ha- okay. like, we're in training camp. I'm waiting for the ESPN alert to, to pop up on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> AJ Terrell, traded for Xavier Howard. <laughs> okay, well, see, here's the thing. I specifically said ends the season on a new team because just in case a Dwayne Haskins situation happens where, like, he just wears out his welcome in the locker room, that's possible because uh, Dwayne Haskins ended his second season on a new team and he wasn't traded. So I left that a little bit open-ended for myself. You know, 
I, I like this. I like this one a lot. Um, I, I actually like this this selection the second most, so I think that's a good pick. Just because there's 32 players that were picked. Exactly. And there's an, Th- a good 31, chance. because Isaiah Wilson is off the board. <laughs> <laughs> there's a good chance that at least one of them gets either traded before the season or during the season. I, w- I wouldn't say good, but slim, which is what but, we're hoping. But at. Like it's it's 32 NFL players. They don't stay at one place. There's a reason why they get paid so much money. It's a, it's a tough life being an NFL player. I I could easily see someone someone random like Noah Igbenogamy or I don't know Jordan Brooks getting traded for nothing. Like who knows? Brooks isn't getting traded, but Igbenogany or Igbenogany, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Definitely could be because he was not impressive last year. Although if Xavier Howard gets traded, I don't think he's moving. You have to make another choice in this category. So what are you doing? <laughs> um, see, I could go the same route as I did on the last pick and go with a punter scores a touchdown. But I don't want to really do that because then, I, then, then I'm kind of going down the same route. So I'm going to go with Chase Young wins Defensive Player of the Year because Player of the Year, as we mentioned, is a very much a narrative-type game. And the NFL loves Chase Young. Uh, if Chase Young has a solid season next year, he easily wins. Easily. Yeah. Like, if it's between him and some other, I guess, Miles Garrett is not someone I can really overlook, especially because he hasn't really won one yet. So, um, uh, it, it's it's an easy win for Chase Young if he gets to the situation where he's up against two other guys. And if he has another season like he had last year and he keeps on this pace – it could easily happen and they don't want to give Aaron Donald too many awards. Yeah. So this is a prediction that I made and I, I think you're right. I was considering this one. Um, I probably would have been my next pick. I will say just to start out, he's not at the level of the top defensive ends in the league right now. He's just not as good as TJ water Miles yeah. Garrett yet. Like he's not there, but narrative based awards guys, narrative based awards. And so if the Washington football team defense takes a massive leap, and he's just the most prominent player on the team, he gets like 10 sacks or so, he could win it. And I actually say most prominent player on the team because I'm not saying that he's the best because I'd say that Jonathan <laughs> Allen has like a strong case that he's yeah. better and just totally underappreciated. Or anyone on that line. Deron Payne, um, Matt Ioannidis. I guess he's not there anymore, but like Is anyone there. No, uh, he got traded. Oh, okay. can't remember where he Great went. player. No, okay, yeah. Uh, Montez Sweat, but you're right. I, I have to make... God, I have to make it just a terrible decision right now. Oh, no, sorry. Matt Ioannidis didn't get traded. Ryan Kerrigan got traded. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I get okay. them confused because they're the two white boys on that bottom six, bottom seven. By the way, we looked this up last year. It's Yoannidis. Remember, we have to look this up oh, on the podcast. Oh, right. And, you're, and I remember last year saying I don't like him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to do the same thing you did last category or whatever, last points total, where I'm going to go through the last three and talk my way through them. With the first one, which I am just throwing straight out into the garbage, not even considering it. This is the most joke prediction I've ever seen. And I hate you for putting it on here because it's a joke. Tim Tebow is a top 10 tight end. I do not care what metric. I, I moved that to 13 points. I switched out with the punter oh. scores a touchdown. Crap. Sorry. I don't care. Okay. Well, uh, sorry. I, I did my notes <laughs> before you'd switch that. Yeah. Um, so now it it's, that, that's a 13 pointer. <laughs> I'm still going to make fun of it. It's ridiculous. And, but no matter what metric it is, it's not happening. Uh, and <laughs> honestly, punter score to touchdown is more likely to happen. But the last time it happened was when the Dolphins ran that insane trick play where their kicker threw to Matt Hawk, their punter. And I don't think that that's going to happen again. So crossing that one off. The next one is a team with four or less wins 
last season has four less losses this season, which is actually one where the extra game makes it harder. Yeah. And also it's just that the teams last season who had four or less wins are all terrible and did not get much better. <laughs> so here, here's who they are. I, I, hey, I don't talk about my sure. Falcons like that. That's the worst part. They're the best team out of this bunch <laughs> without Julio Jones. But that's, like, why, that's why I put them there. That's why I put I, the prediction there. The Jets, who actually might be decent, but still. Bengals, Texans, Jaguars, Eagles, and Falcons. You're asking one of those teams to go 13 and four. 13 wins out of the New York Jets. <laughs> like, I saying it out. like six or less losses. That's actually okay. I literally wrote down in my notes if you said 11 and six, like six losses, I still probably wouldn't take it. <laughs> like, I would consider it. Oh, I don't know about that. I would take that. Oh, my God. Like, it's absurd <laughs> to think about the. Eagles winning 13 games, <laughs> which leaves me essentially by default with what I did last round, where I'm just going to take the single season sack record is broken, which is I actually like this one too. Yeah. It's 22 and a half sacks, which is so much. And again, you have the benefit of the extra game, but last season, TJ Watt had the most in the league with 15. And I think the Steelers defense will just be a little bit worse. He did have 77 pressures. So maybe his sack total takes up a little bit. I don't think he's the one making it there. I don't think Aaron Donald is going to get more help and increase his sack total all the way up to there. The one idea that I had is that what we saw a lot last year with Brandon Staley is that they used the threat of Aaron Donald to open up lanes for other pass rushers. And that's why Leonard Floyd is so successful. He had tons of one-on-ones and easier matchups. It is possible that Raheem Morris uses him a little differently and tries to scheme matchups up for Aaron Donald rather than the opposite. I prefer Staley's approach, I'd say. I think that you can just do more when you have the threat of Aaron Donald and just let someone else get to the quarterback, but maybe Raheem Morris does that. I was actually thinking for that one that it could be a, a big jump for Miles Garrett. especially. That, with that's what I was going to get to. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, that's, sorry, that's what I was going to say, that I think he's the most likely player to get there because if he gets more help from Jadevian Clowney and Tack McKinley, that's where I see him. Because last season, he just had absolutely nothing. And he was actually also, I think people forget this, a lot more effective over the first half of this of the season. He had nine sacks through week seven, and then he got hurt, uh, and then also had to play out of position on the wrong side of the line to accommodate for Adrian Claiborne, who could only rush for one from one side because one of his arms is messed up. I think that that's my thought. So I, I think you were thinking the same that. thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, no, I, I think I think that um, Miles Garrett has a good chance of get of breaking twenty sacks this season. And especially with uh, 17 games, getting one and a half sacks per game is not crazy, especially for someone of his caliber and with a better like defensive line. I, I can totally see this happening this season. I could that, that would be my next pick. I just wanted to bet on Chase Young because who know who cares? I I think I probably would have gone with Chase Young over this one, but again, very specific. So we're moving into the absolutely insane category, which is. 13 points, and I am up first, which is great because there's only one pick in this one, which I think has a yeah. chance of happening. Yeah. A team goes winless. I didn't yeah. even put this one in there. This was you. And I again, unlikely. The last, I'm pretty sure the last team it happened to was the 20 something, like mid aught, or sorry, not mid aughts, mid tens rounds. That was like 2015 or so. That could happen. And I mean, 
I'm looking at the Texans right now. I'm really like right now, the reports on the trading camp is that Deshaun Watson is playing at scout team safety. I don't know what they're doing. I legitimately have no idea what their plan is right now. And I don't think they do either. I think that their plan is just to get revenge on Deshaun Watson, which just for asking for a trade, which I'd honestly forgotten he'd asked for a trade given the allegations against him and just all of that taking precedence. They are barreling towards a hideous record. So if anyone will do it, it's them. I don't even think the lines are that likely to do it anymore. Yeah. My one problem with this one is they play the Jaguars week one. Who knows what happens there? Anything can happen there. Um, Trevor is, Lawrence is throwing for 350 yards and we are going to lose. He throws for he no, throws no, no, 350 I, yards or he throws for four interceptions and we learn a lot more about Trevor Lawrence. No, I, I'm sorry. I do not like, I would be, I, I, think, I think we can call it right now that the world is collectively going to lose their minds over Trevor Lawrence after week one. After week just, one. <laughs> when, yeah, after week one. Like, I don't think he's necessarily bad or anything like that. I just think that we're going to way overhype him when he just oh, torches the sure. hell. Out of I'm the excited defense. for that. I can, I cannot wait for everyone to freak out when he gets 500 yards, most ever rookie passing yards in a in, in a week one. They oh they my God. It, It's gonna the narratives are gonna be insane, and then everyone's gonna be disappointed when he plays solidly for the rest of the season, but not exactly. up to that level. Yeah. that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Which one are you? I'm going to guess that you're going to take the inverse of this one, but let's see. The Tim Tebow. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, Trevor Lawrence has to pass to someone. Uh, oh my God. I'm going to go with the team goes undefeated uh, solely. Cause I'm, I, I'm kind of doubling down on the chiefs here. When you have like one of the better teams ever, if not the best team ever, you got to bet for them possibly going undefeated, despite it being 17 games and it being very, very unlikely. Who knows? Yeah, no, I'd say that that's the second most likely one because these next ones are insane. <laughs> I already talked about the Tim Tebow uh, being a top 10 tight end. In my notes, I just wrote in all caps, ha, 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 because that's not happening. <laughs> Did not bother doing it. We keep, we did, keep, keep hating, keep hating. <laughs> there are no parameters on that prediction. Like, I guess technically someone could claim that he's a top 10 blocking tight end or something like that, uh, which he won't. He's already getting cussed out by coaches for being terrible at blocking, which is completely unsurprising. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Okay, I'm going to choose one, and I hate that I'm doubling down on all of the same kinds of predictions, but the reason I'm doing this is because I have some funny options around it. So this is a player breaks the single season receiving yards record which is currently 1,964 yards. It's <laughs> a lot of yards. Which is, which is always on that list of NFL records that will never be broken. I think it was Calvin Johnson who said it, but I'm not sure exactly. Either Calvin Johnson or Jerry Rice is probably one of those two. It, it definitely wasn't. Can you check in the meantime? But here's why. Yep. I came up with, I think, five narratives for how this happens. So I'm going to run them by you. You can tell me. I don't know about your favorite one, but like which one do you think is most likely to happen? These are all it sort was of Calvin Johnson in 2012. Okay, sweet. And Julio Jones is second, so I hope he's one of the narratives. Um, no, the Titans are not <laughs> passing enough to do that. Anyways, yeah. the first option is it's either Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill if the other one gets injured and they just throw a million times to that guy. Or So betting on an injury? I guess, but I, I, sure. Just making you I, feel bad, as bad as possible. I, yeah, no, I, the thing is, I think Mahomes will spread the ball around so much that it won't really matter. My next one is, okay, this one might be crueler, but I actually don't feel that bad about it. Stefan Diggs, if Cole Beasley gets COVID, 
<laughs> look, I, honestly, look, I, I don't like I don't want to make too much fun of unvaccinated people. Like I know that the effects that that will have on his community, even if he's being such an asshole, but he's being such a dipshit about all of this that like, <laughs> oh, my God, man. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Like Cole Beasley is just being the most vocal out of all of them. And the worst part is I know you're not on Twitter, but his logic makes no sense. Just none whatsoever. So it's just embarrassing to watch him do this. Yeah. But okay, I, I have better scenarios. Devontae Adams, if Aaron Rodgers gets so pissed at his other receivers that he only throws to Adams. Mm-hmm. I, I could see that. But they now have Randall Cobb. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot so, about that. <laughs> so Aaron Rodgers won't be too pissed at him. Hopefully. That's true. That's why they got him. You have DeAndre Hopkins, who if Kingsbury, if Cliff Kingsbury decides to go full air raid before getting fired, they just throw a million <laughs> times to Hopkins. Do you think they'll take him off the sideline? This, this is actually what I was thinking. Like, if he goes full air raid, they're going to leave him in the same spot on the right <laughs> side of the field the way they did last year. Which They, they might keep... move him towards the inside of the field, oh, like after it, at the end of these routes, but not, not at the start. No. And then the last one that I have is not even a scenario. It's just Calvin Ridley with three question marks after it. Because yeah. last season, I didn't even realize this. He played in 15 games and came sixth in the league in receiving yards. He was just mm-hmm. really damn good. And without Julio Jones and an offense that's probably need to score a lot to keep up, maybe that happens. Just so like Calvin Ridley's really damn good. Just throwing that out there. So if I if I were like um it's the, actually the first thing I looked at this and this might be Homer bias but the first name I thought of was Calvin Ridley here just mm-hmm. in terms of individual wide receivers on teams that could get this record because if we're being realistic if you're looking at a at a at a quarterback that loves to air out the ball and a team that relies on one wide receiver the Falcons have done that since the year 2000 with whether it was whether it was Brian Finnegan and Mike Vick or now Julio Jones and, and Matt Ryan and now Calvin Ridley, they love to choose one wide receiver and air him out until he's double covered. I could totally see Calvin Ridley having 1,500 yards this season. Breaking the record is bold, um, especially because like this is a record where only the best of the best get up there. But it's like Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, uh, Jerry Rice, Antonio Brown, just some of the better wide receivers ever. Yeah, But – you know, Calvin Ridley, and this could be a, a situation-based thing, possibly breaks 1964. I could, t- like, in terms of being realistic here, uh, that would be my favorite option um, to get the re- to beat the record. Okay, Adam, before you choose your next one, I'm going to be generous <laughs> as the former victor and give you an option right now. Because one of my favorite uh, predictions that I came up with out of all of them is a team successfully executes a drop kick. Because it's just so funny. Yeah, so I'm going to go into the rules for the drop kick, which is a kicker can drop the football to the ground and kick it immediately after it lands. That's a drop kick. So you'll see like quarterbacks. It had to be a a kicker. Uh, No, it's a player kicking the ball, not not an actual kicker. Because it wouldn't make sense for a kicker to do it because there wouldn't be any element of surprise. (laughs) That would be hilarious. There is another way to do a drop kick, which is if you fair catch a punt, you can immediately kick a field like attempt a field goal without a defense essentially stopping you without a t so you'll have like a guy holding the ball holding the ball up and a kicker can try to go for it and so this is where a i'm going to be a little bit generous because the original prediction was a team attempts a drop kick they don't need to convert it but the thing is the last time that that happened was actually pretty recently it was joey was sly in 2019 
Oh, Joe. Joe yeah. So I'm not sure if you remember this. This happened in London, I think, actually. But the Panthers uh, had a fair catch after a punt with one second left in the first half from the 50 and then tried to kick it from the 50-yard line. He ended up short. That could happen again. Like, someone could try it. So I'm going to say, if you want to, you can move it down to a seven-pointer. I'll just let, like, I'll let you take it as your second 13-pointer, but it'll be worth seven points for a team to attempt a drop kick. Or... You can also take a team execute the drop kick, which the last successful one was in 2006 by Doug Flutie when he was playing for the Patriots. There are a lot of incredible things about this play, which I just highly recommend you go, all of you go look up after this because it is the last play of Doug Flutie's career, which his entire career was basically a miracle, uh, as most people know. And Bill Belichick smiles. <laughs> he smiled. Like you could, the cameras go on him. He smiles. He didn't even smile in his subway commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, I think that if anyone's going to call it, it might just be Bill Belichick. And the, by the way, the Doug Flutie one wasn't the uh, fair catch attempt. It was literally, they were on like the 10 yard line. Yeah, I remember dropped, that one. He dropped like 10 yards back and just caught the ball. He was play, still playing quarterback and just kicked it straight through the uprights. It was honestly really impressive. I could not yeah. come close to doing that. I don't, I don't like how you're testing my Kohane, so I'm going to take it as a 13-pointer. Uh, All right. Okay, so they have to execute a drop kick. Johnny Hecker will execute a drop kick. Ooh, okay. I think I think the, the Rams are the team that are most likely, that I'm thinking of right now, of being creative enough to do something like this. So I, I'll, I'll go with the team that executes a drop kick. Just because the other two options are horrible. <laughs> so we already talked about Tim Tebow. That's not happening. The other one is... Well, I, well, we, we, let's talk about it a little bit more in depth. Oh Why don't God. you think well, Tim Tebow is going to be a top 10 tight end? What is, what is there to say? Like, seriously, what is the argument for him being a top 10 tight end? I, I actually... He's you're the buff. one with, like... <laughs> you're the one with everyone in the NFL's buff. You're the one with like the Tim Tebow Heisman hat that you're always wearing. So hey, why will he be a top name, 10 tight name end? Name one other tight end on the on the Jaguars. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy. Name one other decent tight end on the, on the Jaguars. Oh, crap. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so what I'm thinking here is, well, we, we were looking at the odds for Tim Tebow to, to score one rushing touchdown, and it was, <laughs> was actually funny. favorable. Um, so some, for some people, some Vegas odds pe- creators uh, have faith in Tim Tebow. Uh, I am clearly one of those people. Uh, <laughs> Tim Tebow has to do everything right, and he has his spot on the, on the training camp. So this is just basically, basing, and, and with how undeep, with how shallow, the, the, NFL, <laughs> the NFL class of tight ends is, I could totally see a random tight end getting into the top 10, like Adam Troutman or someone like that. Tim Tebow would just have to be a shocking person, a shocking player. And I'm not going to say that it's going to happen, but, you know, surprises occur. Oh, my God. Okay. I don't even want to think about that. The last one, I feel like it's almost – a trick question just because it seems like at first glance is a little bit more reasonable than the rest of these, which is a non-quarterback leads the league in fumbles, which at first you could say, okay, you know, that's better than like a drop kick or a team going undefeated, <laughs> which hasn't happened since 1972. I, I, I will say if you don't count Taysom Hill as a quarterback, gets a little bit more reasonable. He's <laughs> last season. He had 10 fumbles and only started yeah. four games at quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That, that... Like, 
It's incredible. He fumbled six times in four games. That's impressive. That's, that's hard to do. But out, out of the actual non-quarterbacks, Ezekiel Elliott had the most fumbles last season, which is only six fumbles. Daniel Jones had the most out of all players, which is with 11. And 16 quarterbacks had more fumbles than Zeke. So that's just a lot of players to jump. Yeah. My, my thinking here is uh, Travis Etienne uh, obviously had fumble, uh, Ooh, fumble okay. problems. He had fumble problems in college. And he's now going to be put on a Jaguars team where he's not going to get much protection. Doesn't really know what role he's going to use. He's a, he's a wide receiver running back now um, and never really like solidified his spot as a pass catcher. Um, I could, I could see him fumbling up the ball a bunch of times. Obviously it's very difficult to out fumble quarterbacks. And that hasn't even been close since like 2006 when Devin Hester had like 11 fumbles, but you know, crazy things happen. It's a 13-point category. If this happens, if this is the anomaly this year, maybe a kick returner has a terrible season. Uh, who knows? Well, see, the reason that this will never happen is because if a quarterback fumbles, they immediately go back out on the field. Like, they're going to get another chance. If a wide receiver or a running back or even a punt returner fumbles, they're getting yanked if they do it more than two or three times. Like, the coaches are not going to let that happen. If Travis Etienne fumbles four times in his first six or seven games, he's not seeing the field enough to fumble enough times to take the lead. And yeah. with a quarterback, you just can't really pull them like that. It would it would have to be like someone like Christian McCaffrey getting the yips or something. That's and possible. I know you're a Ted Lasso fan, so I shouldn't have said that out loud. But, <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, uh, you, yeah. Do you watch season two, episode one? No, but I, I get a lot of things on Instagram about the yips and um, okay. Simone Biles and all that. Oh, so. yeah. Okay. Everyone should watch Ted Lasso. Just throwing that out there. Apple TV is not paying me, but you should do it anyways. But Oh, yeah. Apple TV is sponsoring this episode. I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> so, with two episodes Are we doing go, a Apple wild TV. card pick? We are. That's what I was going to say. Adam, okay. you get the first wild card pick. I'm just going to remind you again, you lost last year, which is why I'm giving it to you. <laughs> but um, okay. okay, okay. What do you want to go with? He can um, and just Just to clarify, he can choose any prediction that hasn't been taken yet at any of the point categories. I'm going to go with a punter scores a touchdown. No. Okay. That is 10 points. Adam Baltax, why is a punter going to score a touchdown in 2021? No reason. The same reason a punter scored a touchdown the other season with Matt Hawk. This can be, uh, it's just a score, so he can throw or catch a touchdown or run in a touchdown. Whoa, 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 whoa. Throw a touchdown. No? Should we just do receives or runs in the touchdown? How about five points if, if a punter throws a touchdown? Okay. It's a, oh, much, it's, it's a much, much easier trick play for the punter to throw the touchdown, like especially if he's the holder for the extra pointer for, like, for the field goal. True, true, true. So five points. I will absolutely give you five points if a punter throws a touchdown, though. Okay. Um. Yeah, because throwing a touchdown, like any any fake punt could go, could go for a touchdown because once the ball's out of the punter's hands, it's not that impressive. That's but, my point. Okay, but if he catches or runs in a touchdown, that's 10 points. Yep. Now, you're going big, which I was considering a few of the one-pointers. I think mostly yeah. <laughs> the, the player not getting vaxxed one just made me laugh a little <laughs> bit. So, yeah, it's a pretty funny one. But I think I think I need to go bigger because that one point just isn't going to do a ton, especially if you hit on a bigger one. So I'm not going for seven points or 10 points because those are absurd. I'm you're gonna going go for with, 13 points. <laughs> oh hell yeah give me the 10 people <laughs> no i'm going with a second year quarterback wins mvp yep. because 
I don't know. I just traded for Justin Herbert on my dynasty fantasy team. Have a lot of faith in him. Have a lot of faith in Brandon Staley. Making it happen. Bolt up. Yeah. Hey, maybe maybe Joe Burrow surprises some people. No, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a Joe Burrow hater. Like, I'm not that much of a hater. I just don't think his ceiling is that high. Uh, I, I'm, I still have faith in him. Okay. So the ticking time bomb is at one week. Or I don't know. The nuclear countdown is at one week. We have one episode left, and it is going to be a hell of an episode. Uh, just get ready for it. And I just want to remind you guys, that's not the end of tackling the NFL. It's just the end of regularly scheduled tackling the NFL. Yeah, it's the end of it's the end of this season. That's good. So this episode was again, I think my one of my favorite episodes that we do. It was just a blast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Adam, you have anything else? Yeah, and if you like this type of episode, we'll probably be here next year to go over who won, and there will be a lot of bragging and boasting are happening. So I got to even up the series. So this is big. This is very important to me, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.